just like what I experienced in, when, in Santa Barbara in 1973. It's just being stunned how organizing information, controlling the narrative can be so impactful for people. And then to get around, get around people that are doing it, it's just an incredible experience. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. And with me today is Jeff Von Kainel, founder and CEO of N&R Publications, which uses professional journalists to help government and nonprofits tell their stories and create real social change. In addition, he started the Sacramento News and Review, Chico News and Review, and Reno News and Review. Jeff is an old-time newspaper man, and I'm glad to have him on the show. Welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here, girl. Well, good. So, you know, you're not my usual kind of a guest. And, you know, the industry that you've been in uh, since long, long ago is, has had, of course, so much change. And I want to talk a little bit about a little bit about that today. But let's start with your journey getting out of school. You did a lot of interesting uh, social work. And uh, tell us a little bit about that journey to starting your first newspaper. So I was a, a college student at UC Santa Barbara in starting in 1969. I'm, I'm very old, Carol. And that <laughs> um, besides for studying, we were also very much um, working in anti-war stuff, civil rights, environmental stuff. Was that the first Earth Day in 1970 in, mm -hmm. in Santa Barbara? And um, then it was... We were really frustrated with what was happening. Nixon got reelected. Um, the war was going to go on, et cetera. And there was some changes in technology that enabled newspapers to, to be more, um, to come out. And so we started publishing one of the first alternative newspapers in the country in Santa Barbara in, in 1973. And what really stunned us was we started to win. We won city council elections, got the DA indicted. And we were stunned about the power of controlling the narrative mm. of what that meant for social change. Right. So that really launched our my career in the newspaper. We weren't getting paid for doing this newspaper. We were doing it for free. Right. And um, but then I uh, from Santa Barbara I went over and took over a paper in Chico that was really struggling, and then came down to Sacramento, started a paper in '89 in Sacramento, and then took over a paper in Reno, and so they had a long career of doing newspapers where we did political coverage, arts coverage, but really then made sure we, people that, who weren't, voices weren't heard in the public dialogue, we got the, in, included in that and spoke truth to power. So it's been a, a fascinating career. And now we've morphed over to the, primarily doing government and nonprofit communications, using journalists to help them tell their story. Yeah, so, so tell me how that came about. It was, I got a random call from the um, Salvation Army and um, their public information officer um, calls me up and says, um, hey, we're struggling here. We need to get younger donors and younger volunteers. And everyone thinks 
they have this vision of the Salvation Army, but it's, from, it's really from a 1920 movie. All right, we're different. <laughs> so can you come talk to us? So I met with Sid Fong, their public information officer, and Major Wiley, and basically said, I'm here, talk to me. Um, Carol, two hours later, I go, wow, this is way more interesting, than you thought way more was. complex, <laughs> and yeah. I had no blicking idea mm-hmm. you were doing mm-hmm. all this stuff, and I'm a news service. Right. And then they said, well, Jeff, what can you do with it? And I innocently said, I can make you a newspaper, and but I have a problem in that you just gave me 96 pages of stuff. <laughs> so let's have a second conversation. If we had six minutes instead of two hours, what would be the most important six minutes? And then I want to tell it with stories as opposed to random facts. Mm-hmm. So we put together this publication for them. It ran in my 80,000 copies of the News Review in Sacramento. We printed 25,000 X for them to hand out. And then it, they, it went out and it had a dramatically different thing because uh, we could tell stories, which was very different than having billboards, which says um, support the Salvation Army. So other people wanted to do it, like UC Davis, um, Ron McDonald's house, but doing one for Citibank on financial literacy. Then I get this call from New York saying, hey, what you did in Sacramento was really effective. Can you do this for the rest of the country for us? Mm-hmm. Us and Citibank. I mean, it's like this is a, a, a weird cultural mix, I can tell you, Carol. Yeah, well, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> now we've done 500 of them around the country in many different aspects mm-hmm. um, where we use journalists to kind of help craft a narrative and then work in social media and print to get it out. It's been really effective for people. And you work with both nonprofit and for-profit, obviously, yeah? Right. Yeah. Um, do you have a sweet spot of the type of companies that you work with? What we need is people with, that have really deep content really matters. Mm-hmm. And so, and dealing with really critical issues, such as housing, mental health, um, child abuse, um, education, and things... Because it really, I think, in, in most marketing, there is this big divide. There is things that really um, really don't matter. Like, And then, so then you pretend they do. So, like, if you take a laundry detergent, then you pretend your junior high daughter is going to really like you if you switch laundry detergents. <laughs> or you drink beer and models come to your table. Okay. I, I, I don't mean to shock you, Carol, but that usually doesn't happen. All right. So then... <laughs> Um, for us, in terms of what school your kid goes to, what we do about housing, how we deal with foster children, we don't need to get the people interested. They already are interested. Mm-hmm. What they have is a difficult time taking um, this very complicated subject, simplifying it so they can understand it, so they can act upon it. And that's the role that we have. And that's our sweet spot. You got to have stuff that's worthy to tell stories about. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, we can't do it. Well, right. And, and you know, there's sort of an old saying uh, that that facts tell, stories sell, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- story is, I mean, story creates emotion, right? I mean, it, it story does a lot. And I think it's a... It's it's a really wonderful way to to do what you're doing with, with this. Are there any other businesses that are doing what you're doing? Um, there, there is numerous people that are doing some stuff that we're doing. There is, um, 
but not quite the same way. That's where we've been sole sourced by a, a bunch of different organizations, LA County and others. And and what what is different is there is um, organizations that are you know tell stories, but they often don't interject policy into those stories. So like what we're good at is um, we figure out the policy part first, then we tell stories around the policy. And so you can have a really good story, but it doesn't illuminate a bigger a bigger issue. So mm-hmm. it's it's cool. It's got, but at the end of the day, it's like the cat playing the piano. Okay, or it may get a lot of hits, but it doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. So um, what our process is 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 unique, as far as I know, is the organizations bring us a group of people that really know the issue at the thirty thousand foot level and at the ground level. So it can be the receptionist and then the CEO, et cetera. We put them in a room and then we ask, what social change do you want to occur with the communication? What things do you want to happen? And then so like for an adult school, which we're doing a lot of work on it, maybe we want people to know we exist and we want to increase our ESL, English as a second language enrollment. All right. So once we have that kind of information, then we just ask reporter-like questions for about an hour and 15 minutes. We get this onslaught of information. Then we're sitting back, and then after about an hour, we go, All right, here's what we think your major points are. Then we have a discussion. Are these the right points? Now, it's often the first time the information's been organized in a way that mm-hmm. someone can, oh, a civilian can understand what the blazes you're talking about are. Yeah. Then... All right, but then we make nuances there. Then we, from that, we take the, um, make a production plan. And here's what we're going to do. Here's the stories, and then then they help us source it. Who do we get to talk to that we can tell a story about to illustrate that point? And what partners can we include in the story in a way that we they can run it on their social media? So we can, like for instance, in say adult ed, it would be is you can have a story. Maria came from Peru, couldn't speak English, went to the, um, met with the immigration group. They hooked her up with the adult school. She took ESL training, and now she has a job. Well, the immigration group, the Workforce Investment Board, her employer, the adult school, they all can use the same story showing how they're working together to make things happen. Yeah, you know, and... and yeah, and something you said about, you know, that that hour and 15 minute interview which I, you know, I kind of look at it as a discovery meeting, right? You know, you're discovering things about them that they have not been able to put into any kind of a they may not realize it or they can't put it into a way that makes any sense to anybody, right? So, you know, what you're describing is, you know, sort of in my opinion, um every reason why companies should hire outside whether it's consultants, or, you know, a third party who can ask the questions that they don't know or think about mm-hmm. asking themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because you can look at it, you look at it in a way that is different from how they would because they're emotionally attached. You're not. Right. We're, and then it, it's, um, but, you know, I it, it is like often I'll go to, to speak at conventions or um, stuff and then it's like, all right, the you need to tell your story and then um and they give a here's why telling storytelling is really important all right but then when i look at what they're what these poor administrators who are very busy supposed to do we would never assign a junior reporter to do this assignment 
Right. It is. It's like too complex. It's mm-hmm. it's. You're, you need to tell a story. You need to have the writing's chops. You need to interject policy in that. All right. And, and then, secondly, uh, we have a whole team of people that, in terms of designers, photographers, editors, et cetera, that are doing one component of this. Where it's often, I know the organization used to say, oh, I'm interested in this. We're going to hire an intern to do our newsletter. Well, good luck with that. I mean, it's like, how can this person do this? Yeah, I know. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I think you're preaching to the choir, everybody, pretty much everyone who's hopefully listening, you know, hopefully who's listening to this, right? Yeah. So it's, it's yep. and then it's really, um, we're really engaged in this. Like p- part of, um, if I can think about the 50 years of doing newspapers, we were Watergate babies. And so like the um, thing that we were really excited about is like, how do we identify government corruption? How do we do this? So we got really good at going, boy, this is really screwed up. Okay, well, those are relatively easy stories to do. It's far more complicated to do. Here's how child protective agencies around the country are adapting what they're doing for resource families Hmm. to do reuniting of families. Mm -hmm. It's way more complicated to do that, it takes a, a different level of journalism, but it also gives, I think, uh, removes some cynicism and some hope that we can actually make things better, as opposed to just burn the house down, which is often the view. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to just uh, step sideways for a minute uh, to something you said earlier um, about affecting social change, right? In the early days, you know, through through newspapers and so on and so forth, and. I, you know, I wonder what your feelings are around people just not trusting the media. And when I say the media, I mean newspapers. I mean, you know, the talking heads on TV, whomever, right? Or people who say, oh, you know, criticize, you know, this newspaper or that newspaper. Um, you know, what I read on the internet's the only thing that's true. Everything else is a lie. I think, first of all, I may say you made a really good point. Often you're too immersed in it to understand it yourself um i I feel there's a little bit of that and um i it's i I was um you know having a a discussion with my brother who is very conservative and he was telling me about how the media is all controlled and etc and i'm going like wait i'm in the media we you know as far as i've never gotten this memo you're talking about and um believe me we don't agree with each other i mean and so it's like i don't it's like what are you talking about here it's just not true and then secondly it's my experience with most journalists as opposed to kind of online bloggers or whatever is like uh, they do have an interest in trying to figure this out maybe they screwed up but it's not intentionally Mm -hmm. it's it's the stuff is really complicated and so it's really easy to go that's fake news Mm -hmm. when you're just making up lies so um I don't know. I don't know quite how to deal with that, except we just have to do our job. And then at the end of the day, I have. Um, I think it's survival of the fittest. If you are um, having taking information that is clearly incorrect and not using it and not going to vetted sources, you will get your ass kicked. All right, because um, so that's why I like to depend upon people that are actually trying to do good, trying to figure this stuff out, trying to make it work. I just have way more confidence and that's actually is, and I can act in a way that will be useful for myself by using correct information. Yeah. 
but we'll see. I mean, it's like um, there's um, uh, and I think that the people are starting to rethink, you know, what Facebook and others are doing in terms mm-hmm. of their manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that will help swing the pendulum back to reality. Well, we can, we can only we can only hope. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you're facing within your organization right now? Well, I think uh, for us, um, it's we're working with a lot with government, which is like often like swimming through molasses in terms of trying <laughs> right. to um, get decisions made. Um, people get in trouble for um, um, doing things, but don't get in trouble for not doing things, and it's it's difficult. And mm-hmm. so, and then secondly, for us, it's like we're dealing with people that never have told their story, that have always been in a bunker. And so to make the case of you're not going to be successful if people don't know what you're trying to do it is not in their normal comfort zone. So mm-hmm. we're working a lot on that. So it's, it's, uh, I, it's definitely not easy, but it is what for us is incredible is the, the power of controlling the narrative and then organizing your information and then uh, so to, to have people use that in an effective way is, is blood right. How do you how do you find your prospects nowadays? We've done 500 of these. So basically we have um, our f- people that we've done work with call their friends. That's essentially um, it's so it's we ask who else is doing really good work. And then um, they call up people, and then then we call them. So it's and so and then secondly, we have a product that they they look at and go, "Wow, this is um, they never seen anything quite like this." And, and so that works also. That's great. Um, so you've got a small organization, only about fifteen people uh, full time. Uh, tell me a little bit about. You know, you as a leader, um, you know, some of the mistakes that you have made, why do you think you've made them? Um, what have you done to, you know, fix them? Just pick a couple. <laughs> well, you know, we, um, all right, I, I think the, the biggest challenge that we have is um, speaking truth to power and getting unrepresented people's voice heard is not the best economic model of, of how to go forward. And so it would be is part of what we always had to do is um, find people that were not well, that could make money more um, make more money other places, but then wanted to be involved in something that mattered and fit the social mm-hmm. mission. Mm-hmm. So then it was working on that, and then we were always competing with organizations like McClatchy, like Gannett, that were willing to spend incredible amounts of money to take us out. Sure. And so we had to be very nimble and stuff. So um, I would, um, you know, it would be we we were constantly changing. And so that meant we're always doing new things and often they failed. And and, but we had to do uh, many new things and find some that would work. And then, of course, it would be is like any organization I would make 
good hiring decisions and make dumbass hiring decisions and um, <laughs> and then see how that played out and then have things to deal with that. So why do you think you made dumbass hiring decisions? Was it, I mean, was it just a crapshoot? Sometimes you just got lucky and you really didn't know what you were doing or did you, you know, did you think, no, this is probably not a good idea, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Well, I think it's, um, I don't know of anyone that is actually uh, employed a lot of people that hasn't made bad decisions. Well, of so like, I don't feel I'm special. In you this are not, but that's um, what I'm asking the question anyway. <laughs> so it would be is, um, I don't, I don't have a magic. Um, I don't know how to make perfect hiring decisions. I, it would be is um, you look at the track record and stuff and then, and then certain, and then people change also and mm -hmm. how that works. So, but also, I think we uh, to be real candid with you, the challenge of trying to to do what we're doing was very always very difficult. So we didn't have that as much room for error mm -hmm. as others. Yeah, interesting. If I asked the people who worked for you um, to describe you as a leader, what do you think they'd say? Describe me as a leader. They would say, first of all, they'd say he married really well. All right, so it's like. Um, I, um, Deborah and I met at the Santa Barbara News Review. De Deborah, um, I was wife. 23 and she was 19. Mm -hmm. So she was the, um, um, production manager, designed the ads. And I was, I got moved over to the ad department after, um, we had to make some money to start off the journalist and then went over to the ad department because we had to save the paper. So anyway, so, um, not only was her ads beautiful, she was also beautiful. And so <laughs> it's, uh, um, we started dating and then, um, so we've been working together now since 1977. So she is way smarter, way more capable. And so she runs, um, the, uh, oversees the production department, oversees the IT department and, and the fashion department. And I've been mainly doing the, uh, working on editorial and, um, sales. Um, but it's, so one, the main thing I did well was marry really well and smart and, and uh, have somebody way more capable than myself as co-partners um, mm -hmm. in the organization. Mm -hmm. So I forget the rest of your question. Well, um, if, you know, if, how would people describe you as a leader, your, your employees? I, I think um, very visionary, um, really able to figure things out and um, a, a, a horrible attention to detail. Um, Interesting. So, so, you know, you met, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you know, your, your age earlier, not exactly, but you know, that you're old <laughs> none of us get any younger. I'm 72. Right. So. so, you know, because of that, you know, you're older than the typical, you know, founder CEO that I, that I interview. I am curious what you're doing about succession planning. I don't know. I mean, it's, um, we, that, that's a great question. And that, I mean, we, um, we did have more like 120 employees when we had the three papers mm -hmm. operating. And so that was, succession planning was more of an issue mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, now that with the, the, the paper business is, um, not really not existence and right. uh, so it's we're um 
I don't know what's going to happen in terms of that, but it's not that big an operation to succession planning. Well, no, but I mean, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to retire and have no one to take it over, or you don't want to retire and, you know, not be able to sell it. Right. Well, it's, it's right now, it's the stuff that we're doing in, uh, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I think I'd be more interested than, than for me to play, um, to go into retirement. So we'll yeah. see what happens. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. It's been it's been quite a roller coaster in those last several years. Mm-hmm. Just because of what's happened with the newspaper industry, do you mean? Or well, that that, and then we have COVID, and then I mean, it's um, when we had to shut down during COVID and lay people off. It was brutal, and uh, so that, in a way, it's like we're um, succession planning implies you you, you have this. Um, thing that can be should be maintained we're still figuring out what, what the role is mm-hmm. i mean i think a logical thing for us is maybe to join with another organization mm-hmm. that then um because the complexity of what we're doing around the country mm-hmm. is is um i think would really benefit but also might be um be helpful to be in some other organization we'll see interesting um how would you describe your culture you know, we have a great culture. I mean, it's like one of the, the, the things that's always been cool about the News Review is that, um, you know, Deborah and I never took any money out of the paper ever. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we have, lately we have putting money back into the paper, mm-hmm. and um, it was always a mission. And, and then secondly, we had a culture where um, people could be themselves at work, and and so that was really appreciated, and so you didn't have to put on a corporate face to come to work, and, and that that you could also be the kind of person you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is the values that we had in terms of openness, creativity, working collaboratively, really create a kind of a better person. And so um, it was. People not only like the news review, they like how they became working at the news review. One attribute of that is um, is we had always had a very low divorce rate. Um, in that, and I think it was because it would be the the problem of if you're at work and you're being a person at work that you you shouldn't be after five o'clock. It's hard to turn that off. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's so if you are being how you should be after five o'clock mm-hmm. and you have an organization that respects families, then then the relationships can be much more whole and better. Interesting. Um, you mentioned you had to lay some you know people off during COVID. Did you rehire any of them back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hi- rehired. Um, um, like my editors up in Chico are still there. My editor here in, in Sacramento mm-hmm. is here. Our client mm-hmm. publications is here. So mm-hmm. we kept the publication division going after COVID, but the paper was, how do we continue when we can't distribute the paper? Right. And there's no one we can sell ads to. I mean, so, and it was, um, um, we went through, I personally went through a kind of period of grieving um, we, yeah. this was like something I've been doing for half a century mm-hmm. and, um, 
And we care deeply about our employees. And it was um, Deborah and I was breaking our heart to lay people off. Of course. Because we was. never had to do that before. Mm-hmm. And, and what was, um, Carol, what meant so much to us is, is just basically the love we got from our employees, the number of people that came to us and said, um, just thanked us for the years they were able to work with us and and uh, how much they appreciated it. And um, we thought, I mean, um, people would be really mad at us. Instead, we, it was a love fest, which um, just means the world to us, still does. Well, so let me ask you this, because I, I have something in my head that I feel like might have contributed to the, this love fest of yours. How did you tell people that you were laying them off, those you laid off? Well, it, it's, we've all, it, it's, for me, it would be, we started off the Santa Barbara News Review, we were a collective, that we all owned equal parts of it, and then, and then what we always did when we were facing challenges, which were numerous, I mean, we, we were, uh, economic challenges, but then also just to have um, the gigantic organizations wanting to put you out of business and, mm-hmm. and making uh, our, so we just told people what our situation was. So there was this kind of honest communication and you didn't, um, during that COVID period, it would be like, what? <laughs> it's like, we had I mean, there's no money. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there is no we you we can't distribute the paper. I mean, uh, it was so obvious what the situation yeah. was. It's it's kind of like a hurricane or whatever at that right. point. Um. So, but I think it's um, the employees really knew that we cared deeply about them, and and that was reflected in in decade after decade. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so we already had that culture that was um there. One of the weird, one of the weird things about the news review is we had numerous people that left the news review and then came back. I mean, we, at one point, I think we had ten percent of our workforce had left and came back because they didn't. They it was when they came back, it was like either sometimes they had a better position they wanted, but also it was like, you know, I didn't know what I had at the news review until I left it. Yeah, that's I mean, that's it's not very uncommon. Different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and believe me, there was many one we want, wanted to come back, but we didn't have positions for them. Right. Well, and sometimes that's, you know, that's just the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when, when, I mean, you know, I think people, if listen in a perfect world, the only reason somebody should be entertaining another, another opportunity is because somebody's presenting them with something that they believe is going to further their career in a way that they need to have happen or they want to have happen. Right. Um, and sometimes that happens. And to your point, they realize, Oh shit, what was I thinking? This mm-hmm. wasn't so much better after all, you know, or, or the worst reason only leaving because of money. Well, or, you know, it can also be is they fell in love with somebody who lives in the wrong city. Or well, that's, I mean, of course that's, yeah. you know, that's just, that just can happen, right? Uh-huh. But for those who think the grass is greener, that well, I'm not getting this here, but I can get that there, and then sometimes it's and often it's really not greener, right? Uh-huh. And that that can lead to people changing jobs way too frequently, and then of course you know you have to wonder. I, 
you know, if I put my recruiter hat on, you know, which I spent almost 30 years as a professional recruiter, um, you know, that raises a little bit of a yellow flag for me. You know, that, you know, that tells me maybe they don't have the best judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if somebody were just getting into your industry, Jeff, what advice would you give them? <laughs> you know, I, I would say is, um, it's, all right, where you find my industry in terms of journalism, it's mm-hmm. like, it is an incredible experience mm-hmm. in terms of if you're interested in learning new things, if you're interested in meeting incredibly interesting people, and then having this kind of uh, bird's eye view of history being mm-hmm. created, it, there's it, it's phenomenal. And then it's and in, in the process of taking complicated subjects, simplifying with telling the stories, it's it's um, you're at this very pivotal role in doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I find it incredibly rewarding and Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's um and so it's worth those kinds of sacrifices to get it um and i think there is just this need out there to just like what i experienced and when in santa barbara in 1973 it's just being stunned how um, organizing information controlling the narrative Mm -hmm. can can be so impactful Mm -hmm. for people Mm -hmm. And what then is your, to get around get around people that are doing it. It's just incredible experience, right? So, what's your day to day look like? Well, I had a two and a half hour breakfast this morning with a guy running for city council, which we had a deep conversation about housing policy and okay. his background and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have a meeting with certain clients today with the Volunteers of America talking about their project. Um, We have another project in terms of um, organic waste, um, taking out of the waste stream with 1383, I will look at that. And then um, on Friday, I'm going to um, Oakland to meet with the Oakland Adult School to do a storyboard session with them. And then I have a meeting with another adult school where we're talking about a project. And the third, I'm meeting with the head of a um, organization that takes organic waste and converts it into um, fuel. So it's uh, um, so really a lot of variety in mm-hmm. terms of, of issues and things that we're, we're talking about. And then then, you know, putting together proposals and and then really um, doing research to kind of re- help rethink things and to, and to put it, um, to put things in context. Mm-hmm. And what is your, I mean, you have small organization. Is it just pretty much you and Deborah that are running it or do you have other people at? No, I have, um, we have um, another uh, person in Michigan who moved to Michigan, worked here that is working on the client publications. She's overseeing our um, all our, our, our disability work around the country, mm. and then I'm now criminal justice. Um, I have another person here that's helped me on all my environmental stuff. I have an executive assistant. We have an editor, and then she has um, three or four kind of pretty full-time um, freelancers that she works with. We mm-hmm. have two or three people on design, another person on contracts, uh, of course, the IT department. So right. it's not, it's... Um, 
And, and so we have a whole team of people that they can um, design and uh, work on stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. What do you spend your time doing when you're not working? Um, I I'm fairly athletic, um, so I work out a lot um, at, at the gym, and then you know I'll do half marathons and other things, and awesome. then I do a lot of reading. I read a lot. Yeah. I would think somebody in your business would read a lot. Yeah. That would that would somehow make a great deal of sense to me. I think, you know, the more the more time you spend writing and creating, um, I know for me, um, you know, having to write a weekly column, I have to I read a lot because I mean that's a lot of subjects, four subjects a month to come up with mm-hmm. for a major journal. You know, yeah, <laughs> and I have to. I mean, I that's why I, I, you know, listen to things and I read a lot because they helps it helps spur ideas for me to write about, you know. So, um, you know, plus the other reading that I do that's just sort of nice to do. Um, so if somebody listening to this, you know, thinking, God, I really like like what these guys are up to. I'd love to investigate maybe working for them. Well, uh, it's um, it, uh, Jeff V at newsreview.com. Give me uh, um, at news what news review newsreview.com. Jeff V at newsreview.com. Okay. And so send- either that or they're interested in um, clients. I mean, that's that. We need clients, then we can hire more people. Right, right, right. So do you have anybody that's, that's strictly dedicated to sales? Yeah, the um, um, Elizabeth um, in 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 Ann Arbor is doing on sales also. Mm-hmm. So we had, um, and then Gemma is really helping me on sales on, on mm-hmm. the environmental side. Awesome. So once we we had pre COVID, we had about three uh, full time salespeople. So then um, we cut back, and then but I always did the um, a lot of work with the with the clients who are trying to figure out mm-hmm. their communication. Mm-hmm. And I do that with Theo, the editor. So we, it's, we can gain a lot of expertise when we're dealing with a client and learn about their industry, which helps us with other clients in the mm-hmm. same industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that I haven't covered, haven't asked you about that you want to talk about before we finish up? No, I, I think you did a really good job, girl. You asked very good questions. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, well, that said then, Jeff Von Kainel, founder and CEO of NNR Publications. Uh, thanks for spending time with me. This was interesting. Well, it was a real joy talking to you, girl. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, 
or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.